What up, fight fans? Welcome back to the Bay Area Combat Podcast. I'm Daniel Compton. I am your fight director for Bay Area Combat. We are in the Suncoast Awning Studio. We are sponsored by Suncoast Awning, you guys. We have a shop in Santa Cruz, a shop in Martinez. For all your shade needs, Suncoast Awning is going to take care of you guys. Deborah Ferralito, she's the owner of Suncoast Awning Bay Area Combat. We've got Tom Bass Davis in the studio. And then our guest today, guys, he's a legend. He's an OG, okay? He's uh, currently a welterweight for the Bellator uh, roster, former Strike Force competitor, over 30 professional MMA fights, and a black belt under Dave Camarillo, Gorilla Jiu Jitsu. We got James Intensity Terry. How are you doing today, James? Yeah, buddy. I'm good, bro. How are you? I'm doing good, dude. I'm doing good, man. What, uh, what are you doing today on this, on this lazy Sunday, man? Anything going on today? Just hanging out with my boy Daniel, you know, kicking it. Hey, man, I appreciate you coming on, dude. I really do. I really do. Tell us, so you actually had a Bellator fight scheduled when, uh, when, when COVID kind of messed everything up. So, so what happened when COVID hit for you, and, and, and what are you currently doing with, uh, with your training? Yeah, man, I mean, it really you know, hit us all by surprise. I was in the middle of a fight camp. I got notified, uh, it was probably March of 2020, that I was going to be fighting the next SAP uh, Bellator show. So um, I was stoked for that. That was going to be my 12th fight in that arena. I fought, like you said, I fought in Strike Force quite a bit. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, shoot, I'm beginning of COVID, I was in straight fight camp. You know, I was dieting, and uh, my training partners were, you know, kind of wiped away. And, and I think in the beginning we can all kind of, you know, recollect that we were in a position where we didn't know what the hell was going on. And a lot of us, including myself, was – you know, just following county guidelines and orders. And not that I'm not now, but uh, I think we all know what this monster of COVID is in some regards. And back then we were just like freaked out, like, oh shit, you know? So um, yeah, the first few weeks, man, I was just, I had my brother-in-law living with me at the time and uh, he used to be an amateur fighter. Uh, so he was holding pads for me. I was running, you know, I was doing whatever I could with the strength and conditioning training for the equipment that I had. But, you know, that was a little crazy. So Obviously, uh, you know, about four weeks out from the fight, six weeks out from the fight, they, they canceled the fight officially. Uh, actually, the, the words they used was postponed. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. So were those fights postponed? Will, will, you, have, will you have that same opponent um, when those fights uh, uh, come back? Or how's that going to work exactly? You know what? I, I really haven't been in the loop. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to... I'm in a weird place, man. I, I don't know if I was even going to like talk about this today, but I might as well since it kind of segues into it. I'm not, uh, you know, the, the, situation has to, the situation has to be correct, has to be proper for me to fight again. So I don't even know if that fight's going to ever take place. I'd love for it to take place, but uh, I've kind of made an agreement with myself and my family that I would not be fighting in my 40s, which I'm turning 40 next month, um, unless, you know, the I was getting paid and, getting the uh, recognition that, that we all think that I deserve. So um, I'm kind of in a position where the ball is not in my court. It's in Bellator's court. If they want to offer me that fight again, we could talk about it. Um, if they want to, you know, get me back on, on their, uh, you know, the shows, I'm, I'm down to fight. But, um, you know, it's – I've been in this game a long time, like you said, you know, and uh, it's tough – it is a tough game from notoriety standpoint, from, you know, getting the fights that you want. Um, I've been fighting on a top level and I've been 
you know, basically one of the top, if not the top welterweight in California for like 10 years. Um, so really it comes down to, do I continue kind of treading water, uh, doing what I'm doing or do I move on? I don't want to move on. My heart is in this game. I want that fight that was scheduled May 9th. I want a rematch of, of my opponent previous to that, the Mongolian gentleman. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just, you know, I'm in this weird place, man, where, you know, I'm a man of my word and, and I, I kind of lay some terms down for myself and my family and anything that I do beyond anything that I do beyond as of today in MMA is, is really selfish. So, um, I'm not opposed to selfishness, but I really think, <laughs> I really think that, uh, the term's got to be proper for me to fight again. So I'm kind of up in the air as to whether it's going to happen. So. So you made your professional fighting debut in 2006. I was I was still in high school, and um, so yeah. yeah, your career you've had a long uh, uh, and, and and beautiful career, uh, uh, tons of wins. I'm I'm just kind of taken back because to have such a career like yours and to be to be so successful in, in martial arts for so many years, um, you know what is what does it take to be able to do that? You know what does it take to be able to do that and and Although although you are turning forty, your performances have been getting better and better. You're making the young kids look like like they're not even ready, you know. So, is it is it the way that you're that you're feeling, or is it just an age that you've put out there? Yeah, I mean, shoot, man, God, you know, this is a tough situation. For, this is a tough topic for me because I'm still struggling with it in my head. Um, I mean, the bottom line is I have a family. And MMA is, is not something that you dabble in. You give it your all, which I've done for the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. So I, I just think that if, if I had to put a, if I had to put a number, like how much money I think I should make um, based on my skill set and what I've done in the past, I, I'm not being uh, offered anywhere close to that. So, um, God, I mean, I don't, even, I don't even want to say that, like, straight up, because it's not about the money. I do this for my, my love of fighting. I, I I fucking love fighting, man. I love competing. You know, you you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, at the ripe old age of, of almost 40, I'm performing better than ever. I, I feel, I feel like I have, you know. Um, I lost my last two fights. The last fight was kind of a fluke. It is what it is. God caught me. We got put into a weird scramble and, and, you know, I kind of fell into a bulldog choke. Um, previous to that, you know, I fought one of the top guys in Bellator, you know, Adam Piccolotti and me and him had a, had a close fight. It was, it was a close fucking fight. You know, I scored the fight uh, one round to me, two to him. Um, and you know, the second round could have gone either way. You could, you could have gave that second round to me if just a, a couple things would have gone different, you know, a little momentum shift, I hurt him really bad in that second round. And, um, you know, that, that fight easily could have gone my way if a couple things would have changed. And uh, I would have been on a six-fight win streak, you know. Um, I, I could talk about this all day. You know, nobody's won my ass, man. In 15 years, nobody's kicked my ass. So um, I, I fought all comers. It, it, it's, a tough, it's a tough decision to walk away when you have unfulfilled dreams, when you know you are so close. But I have a family and I have to say, if I'm not being respected and given 
amount of money that's worth it for my family because it is my family going in there with me. Um, I, I need to walk away. You know, it would just be selfish, as I mentioned earlier. So I don't want to do it. I feel like my performances have been on point. I feel like I've made a couple of tactical errors uh, in my last few fights. But previous to that, you know, I've, I've been murking people. And, you know, the two fights, the two losses that I had previous to that, you know, were I was winning both those fights. I, I could go on and on. I have 11 losses. You know, seven of those losses are, are super close decisions. I, I thought I won six of them. You know, um, you know, a couple things in my career could have gone different and, you know, I, we wouldn't be having this conversation about me retiring because I would have felt like I'm getting financially respected, you could say, but, um, I understand, I understand all sides. I understand why I'm not getting paid. Um, so I just, I think that the balls in Bellator's court, the fact that I lost my last two fights and the fact that I'm 40. They don't want to. They don't want to promote an old guy, man. Let's be real. Five years from now, am I gonna be fighting? Probably not. You know. So why invest the time? Why invest the promotional? Uh, you know. Uh, and why have that promotional investment in me? So we'll see. I, I've, I've I've had a lot of fun with it, but uh, I this may be this may be my time to walk away. It just sucks that what I had in my my idea was that 2020 was gonna be my last year, and I was just gonna you know get these wins in and try to get a big fight again um, and, uh, you know, right off into the sunset. But it's, you know, don't work that way necessarily. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, it's not over till it's over because, yeah. but from a promotional standpoint, it does, you know, it, it actually makes sense what you're saying, you know, because they're trying to build yeah. up these guys that are going to have, you know, a longer career. And then when James Terry comes in and fucking smashes on dude that's supposed to be their next guy, like for example, if you would have won the Piccolotti fight, which was very, which was very close to happening, um, uh, then you would have had Benson Henderson, you know. And then yeah. if you beat Benson, yeah. if you beat Benson, which is very, very, uh, uh, very, very likely to happen, now now Bellator is in a weird fucking place because you just took no out doubt. Adam and Benson, and then and then you are you are towards the end. Um, of your career, you know, but as one of my teammates and training partners, uh, man, I fucking love having you in there. And, and of course, I want to keep Thank seeing you. you beat up all these fucking young guys. I, I ain't done training, homie. No, we, I know. I ain't done training, baby. We've been getting in there, you know? No, I know. Hey, um, so I've been knocked out pretty fucking hard. And, you know, I, I, I had to uh, ask myself, like, hey, how many of these, you know, hard fucking knockouts do you get? And now we're talking about maybe coming to the end of your career. Um, but 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 who knows, man? Because because once you're done fighting, you start coaching, and now and then these athletes that you, that people coach, they look just like they're fucking fighters. You get to live vicariously through your through your fighters, you know. But how many yep. how many knockouts do you get, man? How many times can you be knocked out, or how many times can you be finished bad? When when is when does your body say it's enough in fighting? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that, that's that's the conundrum of fighting, you know. I think a lot of guys, obviously, they. It's like a life bar, right? Your your concussion's a life bar. And maybe you take a little time off and you get a little bit, but every time you get knocked out, you get dropped in training or, or in a fight, you know, you're taken away from your overall ability to take damage. Uh, you know, luckily, I've, I've never been knocked out. I have had a couple flash knockouts in fights, and that's kind of what actually led to me losing my last fight. The guy kind of flashed, knocked me on my butt. I woke up like, what the fuck's going on? And then we're in a grappling match, you know? Um, that, that's a tough one. There's a lot of bio variability with people, as you know, you know, being an exercise 
scientists as, as yourself, right? We study that. We, um, you know, we worked out with different clients. What, what works with one clientele, the protocol with one clientele may not work with the next. So that's a tough one. You know, I think uh, one of the things that fighting brings out is this deep sense. It should bring out this deep sense of self-reflection. Uh, and that needs to be assessed. You need to make, you need to see, Hey, you know, cognitively, am, am I decreasing, which is tough to, to look at physically? Am I decreasing? Am, am I getting hit with shots that maybe I could have walked through a year or two ago? Um, you know, I think with everybody, it varies. And I hope there's some scientific way in the near future that we can measure that. Um, but it also helps to have a big ass head, baby. Let's go. It does, though, dude. It really, really fucking does. I trip out because some fighters, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I'd never, I've never been rocked. Like, I'll, uh, yeah. I've never, and then for me, dude, I've, I don't know, maybe I don't know what the definition of being rocked is, but every time, yeah. you, every time you hit me, I get like a little bit of like flash whiteness. And like, I, I thought, like, I thought that was getting rocked a little bit, you know? So I don't really no fucking know. Let me ask you, though, should children aspire to be professional mixed martial artists? <laughs> no, I mean, no, <laughs> I, I, I mean, do I want my kids? Like, I don't want my kids to be fighters. Do I want them to be highly capable of being able to defend themselves? Hell yeah. But I don't want my kids to be fighters. I mean, if, they, if that's what they want to do, I'm not going to steer them away from it. Look at me. I have such an incredible passion for fighting and competing. I would be, uh, you know, a hypocrite to tell my kid no, but do I have that yearning for my kid? to fight? Do I have the kids that I train uh, at Gorilla Jiu-Jitsu, right? Do, do, do I want them? Do I want them to, to fight? I mean, no. I don't want to see my friends get punched. You know, I don't want to see kids train get punched, that, that I train get punched. Um, you know, that's, that's a tough thing because it's like, I know, it's like a drug. It's like, I love that drug, but I know I probably shouldn't do it. And I definitely don't want you to do it, you know, so... Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I I would say no, and but you know I fully support anybody that that wants to fight, and uh, I'll give them you know the the verbal business. We don't dabble in MMA. MMA is a for real thing. You're gonna dabble it to say that you fought, and then you're gonna run into a killer like me, and I'm gonna knock you out. I'm gonna hurt you, and I'm gonna feel bad after because I'm a sensitive guy. But in the moment, it's on. Yep. Yep. It is. Hey, let me ask you, man. So, so in sparring, you know, sparring is practice, but there's, uh, there's a lot of different styles of sparring. Um, I guess there were, there are rules, uh, to sparring. Um, they don't, they don't necessarily ever tell you what those rules are. Um, but what, what would you consider the rules to sparring? Like the, the, the general okay. rules? Well, I mean, I think this is, this has evolved for me for sure over the years, you know, me being a wrestler, my background being a wrestling, wrestling where you don't have to hold back in practice. It's on, you know, like you're bringing in, I can't tell you how many fights and arguments I've been in, in, in the practice room with, with my teammates, you know, growing up wrestling stuff five, um, you know, but that mentality has got to switch a little bit. If you want to have a long career, when I first started training at, at Kung Lee's in San Jose, uh, you know, Kung was fighting at the time, you know, basically the entire time I was at his gym. So he, he invested a lot of time and energy into us as, co as a coach, but sometimes he couldn't always like monitor us. He'd be sparring, he'd be sparring me or he'd be sparring somebody next to me. So 
we would fucking go to war there, man. You know, we sparred four or five days a week and, you know, um, there wasn't, there, there was talk of light sparring, but in the heat of the battle, you've got to have somebody really like all over you, reminding you of that, a coach or a teammate. And, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, experienced enough to be able to pull myself back or articulate to my teammates that we probably shouldn't be banging it out. Um, though as I, I'm a sensitive guy, as I said, I feel like many of the guys that I rose up and became better at. I, I always had this heart where I wasn't trying to knock people out. And I, I, I'm more about the, like, dragging people in the deep water when I'm sparring and just kind of touch them up. But the bottom line is not everybody understands that. They don't get that. They get touched up ten times and they think this guy's not, this guy don't hit hard, I'm going to crack him, you know? Um, and it just don't work that way, you know? So I think if we look at the most sophisticated strikers on the planet as a culture, we're looking at the Muay Thai fighters up for debate. But the ties, the ties, you know, they spar real light. They play spar. I definitely, as my career evolved, I, I kind of intuitively went to that in the beginning. But as it evolved and I started working with higher level guys at Combat Sports Academy, I can't really say AKA because those guys banging out pretty crazy. But some of the guys at AKA had that mentality because they came from a high level uh, kickboxing background. Uh, I mean, me and you, when we spar, I mean, we, we hit each other pretty hard, but we're not never trying to knock each other out. You know, if if you hurt me, you back up and you're like, are you all right? You know, or you just start kicking me in the leg instead of, you know, trying to knock me in, in the face. Um, you know, so so for me, I think the unspoken rule um, is you don't knock your training partner out, you know, uh, but sometimes, you know, shit happens. So sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, shit does happen. So have you ever have you ever accidentally knocked somebody out in, in sparring? Yeah, but nothing too crazy, like flash knockouts, you know, nothing like where, uh, you know, a guy was laid out for a number of minutes or whatever. So I could, yeah. I could imagine you laying a motherfucker out for minutes because <laughs> <laughs> some of them, some of them shots that I took, I just say, no, no, I'm kidding, dude. So, but I wanted to ask you this too. Um, so for what I've experienced is because I've never, although I've thought to myself a thousand times, like, hey, James, I wish you would kick back a little bit. I've never asked you to kick back in sparring, but you yeah. you have never you you have never asked me to kick back um, during sparring either. So I wanted to ask you if uh, yeah. if someone starts to ramp it up during sparring, um, you is there something in you where you you just have to ramp it up back until they ask to go lighter? Or are you allowed to ask the other person to go lighter? Being, being I mean, like, a man. I, I would I would ask somebody if, if that's the case, or I'll just double-leg a motherfucker. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's all fun and games until uh, you're the better wrestler, then you decide to take the guy down. You know, it's like, hey, you want to do Muay Thai? Yeah, sure, until I decide to double-leg you. <laughs> right? Yeah, I guess it's hard to shake but, off your back. Hey, are you the enforcer? Would you be considered the enforcer at, at your gym? Well, I mean, we're such, we have such a small fight team, you know? Those guys, I have a lot of experience, obviously, you know? Um, so the, the, the small handful of guys that I train with look to me, but, I mean, that's been the case the last, really, 10 years for me at any gym I go to, you know? So um, I, I, I'm not the enforcer. I, I, I'll give somebody, you know, the verbal business, though. So. For sure, I'll be like, "Hey, man, you know, you gotta relax." Honestly, the last time that I kind of had to impose my my physical 
you know, some physicality on somebody when it came to them hitting too hard was this guy came in the gym and he's a boxer. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it's funny because I know how boxers train. I've trained with some boxers. I've trained at boxing gyms before. And they're kind of like wrestlers where they put the headgear on and they put the 16s on and they're like, you know, we're, we're going to do this, you know? So I just had this polite conversation with the guy just basically like kind of pointing out like, Hey, you know, high level sparring is, you know, we touch each other up and, um, you know, he was wearing headgear and I was explaining to him that, you know, headgear can actually be worse for concussions. It increases the size of your head. It increases the centrifugal force, which is what you don't want because you don't want your brain hitting the, the, the skull. So, you know, he like kind of like politely and calmly like, okay, yeah, yeah, cool. But then when it really came down to it, he was trying to kill me, you know, and, and I gave him a couple rounds of touching him, touching him, touching him. And, um, he just wasn't getting the point, you know? So I eventually had to like, kind of give, give him a little something. Um, and we'll just say he just wasn't ready, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Of course he wasn't ready. And, uh, they, they always think they are, but what is it about those kind of guys where, they need they need to get fucked up in order to get respect in order to respect you like no there's, there's no yeah. like those guys i feel like there's no other way to get their respect you could say you could show but until you yeah. fucking put the hurt on them they don't respect yeah. you well maybe i should clarify I, I don't try to knock people out but i i'll fuck somebody up you know what i mean yeah. like I'll, I'll i'll drill that fool in the body you know, I'll put him in a very painful, like, pit. if we're doing MMA, I'll, like, full mount, you know, drive my hips in. You know, we have a move called uh, the, the DOD, the Day of the Dead, where we're, like, you're in full back mount, where you have somebody's back and they're bellied out. So, you know, there's ways to impose. I'm just not necessarily trying to knock fools out. You know, in that particular situation with this boxer, we were just boxing, though. And, it, you know, I, I was hitting him in the body pretty damn hard, and he wasn't getting the point. I was hitting him in the body and then touching him in the head and then hitting him in the body, you know, like just kind of showing him, hey, man, I, I could hit you in the head. But um, we had to elevate that a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's ways to dominate somebody, especially MMA. You know, And you know me. I, I'm a good grappler, so um, that's usually where I kind of take charge of, of, of people anyway, so. Hey, the one, that, the one that gets me the most, dude, is fucking – one second, my bad – when you fucking mount me and then you'll elbow the ground right next to my head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the business. That that that, 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 let them know, right? That let them know. Like most people get the point there, you know? Oh, you know. All right. And, and you just feel so weak and feeble, dude. So uh, I appreciate you for that. Hey, so you mentioned training with Kung Lee in the past. Let me ask you, who do you think? Cause that's a tough, that's a tough motherfucker right there. Who do you think is your, would be your toughest training partner to date? If not, you know, if not multiple tough training partners. Yeah. I mean, Kung, dude, Kung is up. I mean, Kung is right there. I mean, if not the best, most high level training partners I've had, you know, yeah. I mean, I've trained with all the guys from AKA, you know, I started training at AKA, uh, you know, once or twice a week or, you know, sometimes I, would, I wouldn't go for months, but, uh, I was training with those guys in like 08, you know what I mean? So maybe even maybe even 07. I mean, you know, it was like old school Hillsdale, AKA gym that hasn't been around for fucking a decade, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, all the, I've trained with all those guys over there, you know, every single one of them. My first day at AKA, spar, it was a sparring day, and I had a fight coming up, and Kung, you know, Kung was uh, was coached by Javier Mendez, the owner and the head coach there, right? Mm -hmm. So he told him, hey, heads up, I got this guy coming in. He's, you know, a D1 wrestler, 
uh, new to fighting. I probably had like one or two fights at the time, if that. And, you know, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, put him through the ringer. So they had, they had uh, crazy Bob Cook, uh, you know, former, I think he was a UFC fighter, but he's one of the coaches there. Total badass, right? Mm-hmm. And this was 15 years, this was 15 years ago, too. So, he, you know, he was probably in his late 30s. And then I had John Fitch, and they were fucking, you know, they were round-robining me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So um, that, that was fun. But I'll tell you one thing. Training with those guys really put my, allowed me to understand where my, where my level was at. You know, because there wasn't anybody in that gym that kicked my ass. I don't give a fuck who it was. You know, especially the guys around my weight. You know, um, yeah, I mean, I trained with those guys for many years. My toughest training partner, uh, Kung Lee, without a doubt. Kung Lee is ridiculous. Overall, uh, his skill set is, is phenomenal. The guy has got, you know, All-American wrestling uh, that, you know, me and him went heads up in our wrestling match, you know, takedown, takedown for takedown. But you, you allow him to you add strikes in there, and then Kung's a different animal, you know. His ability to set up shots and takedowns off punches and vice versa, you know, shots to, to punches, punches to shots is just, you know, second to none. The guy was the guy was fucking phenomenal. You know, he's a, seriously an anomaly. Um, and it was it was just like such an honor and a privilege to be able to train with somebody on such a high level. And I think that's one of the reasons I rose up in MMA so quick. You know, I was fighting in strike force from never doing full contact anything besides wrestling and maybe some fucking karate to fighting in strike force. Um, you know, and just, and I mean, two years, I think, I think I was training, I think I was training two years and I was in strike force, you know? So do you think so? So, I mean, would you say that the wrestling prepared you for that, for that jump? Or do you think it was, uh, Kung Lee bringing you into that high level fight team and just seeing that, you know, it was, was it both? It was both without a doubt. I mean, wrestling gets you to understand the psychology of, of fighting. You know, when you're in a one-on-one situation, a one-on-one sport, you don't have teammates to rely on, you know, and you have to perform. Wrestling does that better than anything, straight up. I would have fucking 40 matches a year or more since the time I was five years old. You know, I mean, every weekend I'm going out there and I'm competing and I'm dealing with the psychology of, you know, whether I wanted to or not, of being nervous and having to overcome that. You know, and I think we both know that that's probably the number one contributor to people underperforming. You know that, and they're freaking lazy, but, you know, wrestling teaches you both. Wrestling teaches you hard work. It teaches you to be accountable for your actions. Um, yeah, man, I mean, wrestling was huge. And then, of course, just, you know, from a striking standpoint, not knowing what the fuck I was doing, you know, training with a lot of really high-level Sanda and Sancho fighters at Kung's immediately uh, was was awesome. And then having the ability to go into AK whenever I wanted, you know, that was that was. It was it was pretty cool, man. Looking back on it now, you know, MMA not being what it is today, you know, San Jose was like one of the, you know, or AK was one of the only super camps, you know, and and Kung Lee was had the best Sancho gym in the country, so it it worked out real well for me, you know. Fuck yeah, did yeah, you were in a good fucking place. Hey, so let me uh, this next question: What coach? What coach really resonates with you the most? What would you say uh, your style emulates the most as far as uh, a coach? Oh, man, that's a tough one, dude, because I've worked with so many coaches, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to pinpoint one person um, being like a politician here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Listen, different coaches did different things for me. Kung started me in my career and gave me a lot of confidence because he's such an incredible athlete. He was a fantastic training partner. And from the base level of like understanding, you know, tactical striking and, 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 you know, 
eaves and the flows, the ups and the downs of, of fighting, he did that. You know, um, you know, moving on, uh, you know, Dave Camarillo for, from when I first met him, uh, has always his his skill set and his teaching has always resonated with me. You know, Dave is second to none when it comes to articulation of technique, why you do something, how you do something. You know, uh, Dave's style is 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 very much like mine. He's not a I, I don't know if these are the right words. I don't want to offend people, but he's not like a traditional jujitsu practitioner. He doesn't. He he's down to slow the, the game down without a doubt. That's something that, that he has definitely instilled on me. But Dave is more about the flow and the ability to get a takedown right to a, uh, a submission, right to a dominant position to a submission. Um, you know, and that, that really resonated with me. You know, that's what judo is all about, right? They, they, they have like a, I don't know, a limited amount of time, like 10 or 12 seconds or five seconds. I don't know the rules, but they have a very short time to get a takedown and get a submission. You know, so um, it, it's he, without a doubt, has resonated. His skill set has has helped me, and his teachings have resonated with me. I mean, he's now my partner. I'm his partner, I should say, at Gorilla Jiu-Jitsu headquarters in Pleasanton. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I can't say Pleasanton. We were in Pleasanton. We actually don't have a building right now because, um, you know, of COVID and, and the fact that our landlord, um, uh, landlord and us, we couldn't come to an agreement. So. Are you guys going to be in Pleasanton still? Do you know? That's the plan. I mean, I'm currently looking for buildings right now. Um, yeah, I'm, I've been full-fledged looking for buildings for a while. Uh, it's it's not the easiest right now. I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of uh, landlords and brokers are. Oh, what what kind of what kind of business do you got? Oh, and they're like, yeah, no, no, no. we don't have this space. I'm like, you got a huge space and you have a 5,700 parking spaces. What do you mean? Like, so I, I think there's a liability thing. I can't say I think. I know there's a liability thing. One of the brokers told me. He was like, listen, we're not going to rent to a gym that can't even be opened by county ordinance. There's, there, you know, orders. There's a, you know, there, there's a liability thing here where, oh, you guys rented to this, and then there's a COVID outbreak, and then, you know, we're supposed to be monitoring that you guys potentially are not running your business. So it's just a mess right now, honestly. But I am uber motivated to get our academy at least set up for when the economy opens back up and we are allowed to run a modified or full program, you know? Do you have a timeline for when you guys are trying to get into a new building and, and start running classes at that location? I mean, tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, straight, I mean, we want to follow, follow county ordinance, you know? Ordinance, is that right? Ordinance is like military, like ordinance. I don't know I what think you're that's saying. right. Or, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think it is. We, 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 we want to follow the, the county orders. You know, we, we want to follow that. Um, I mean, I, I went through the ringer when it came to, to coronavirus. I, I would love to have an opinion. I do have an opinion. I, I, I don't think the government necessarily handled the situation optimally. Now, no, we, I don't think anybody handled it optimally, right? We didn't have the, the, the systems and the knowledge in place for something like this, right? Um, and... That's not necessary. I mean, some people want to blame administrations and this and that. And it's like hindsight's twenty twenty, motherfucker. Like, obviously, like shit wasn't. You know, the information wasn't out there. We didn't have our government system set up. We didn't have a uh, a tall tale uh, system of opening and shutting down. And um, shit's messed up for my my business. You know, I, I'd love to have like this strong opinion and 
you know, I, it's just, there, there's, there's a lot of information that wasn't out there, you know, and it may not have been handled correctly, but this shit is, is this shit has ravaged me physically. Uh, I caught COVID in November. I don't know if go on a tangent here and tell you about it, but please do, you know, I caught, I, I caught COVID in November and I had like a three hour, four hour fever and I woke up and I was good. You know, my kids had a fever for a little bit. They were good. My wife was asymptomatic because she's a savage. My mother-in-law caught it and was pretty floored for about a week. Um, you know, we thought we were through it. You know, we followed county guidelines and we stayed indoors. We even isolated ourselves from each other at times because I wasn't trying to give it to the, my mother-in-law, which I in turn did anyway. Anyways, long story short, two, three weeks after I actually tested positive for COVID and I was thought I was through it, right? Three, four hour fever. I started getting random joint swellings. So my fingers started swelling up, my knees, you know, my knees started feeling unstable and swollen at the same time, um, which is a really weird feeling. I got a golf ball size knot in my, in my bicep. I was having trouble already moving my shoulders. Um, I mean, I could go on and on about the symptoms I've had the last three and a half months, but uh, essentially what the doctor's telling me is I have post-viral syndrome and um, there's not really a timeline except two weeks to six months to get over it. I'm probably 90% through it, um, but I've lost like 20 pounds. I'm skinny, dude. I'm like lost all my muscle mass. My arm's all skinny. Um, yeah, mom, uh, this, this has been, you know, we're talking about this because the coronavirus and the business. This has been like, like devastating in many respects uh, for my business. And from a standpoint of being an athlete, psychologically, this has been devastating also because I'm just, I, I, I can barely walk up the steps, you know, a month ago, two weeks ago. I'm, I'm much better now, but, you know, I'm just having these random joint swellings and it's been, it's been fucking crazy, you know, and as much of an opinion as I want to have about, you know, open the economy back up and let's, get back so I can make money and run my business. It's like, you know, I don't want people to go through what I went through, man. Dang, that's crazy. Yeah, you, you've had to see it from all sides, you know, because you've had to experience the virus through firsthand, but then also you've had to experience, you know, the negative effects of the business. And yeah, I mean, I lost, I lost my job, my, my job at Tesla when, when COVID hit. I'm on unpaid leave. So in theory, like, I will go back. But I'm also really scared of the virus because uh, well, Hamzat Zamaya, Hamzat has had um, a lot of issues, kind of th somewhat similar to the issues that you've experienced. Um, Cody Garbrandt had um, had issues, you know, very similar to what you've experienced. And oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of do. So a lot of these guys, um, they're they're not the they're not the exact symptoms, but these symptoms are just they they vary so much, and people are having symptoms that. They're, they're, they're staying with them. They're staying with them. So hopefully, yeah, they get, hopefully, yeah, hopefully they get something figured out because we can't I mean here at Bay Area Combat. We can't, we can't do a show without a, without an audience, you know, so we need an yeah. audience. Um, so yeah. we've just kind of been in limbo, you know, so we're really hoping we can get things going again. Um, Bellator, they're not going to do any of the dark fights. You know, Bellator is doing no dark fights. So Ed, Edwin, yeah. Edwin De Los Santos, he was going to debut on that Bellator card. Uh, uh, Eddie, yep. Eddie Abasolo, you know, and, but but Eddie Eddie was going to be a real fight, but Edwin was going to be a dark fight. Uh, uh, my fights are potentially dark fights. Uh, 
it's just, man, at, at, at Smash Milpitas, that, that location, we, we lost our location at Smash Milpitas on Main Street. So now we're there at Jacqueline. But that, that Main Street location, that was the mecca. If you remember, we'd have a, a weightlifting class, a kickboxing class, yep. and a jujitsu class all going on at the same time. So we were just really yep. able to, yep. to service so many different members, you know? Yep. I love that gym, man. That's like, that's my favorite gym of all time, man. Amazing. When I seen that thing, I mean, I just knew that's where I needed to be, you know? And I just yeah. came into, someone told me to check it out. I wandered in. I just knew it's where I needed to be. So, yeah, we'll, well get Coach Rudy's talking amazing. Well, you know, you were talking to me about coaches earlier. I didn't even mention Coach Rudy because we got to Dave and that was it. I, I've worked with so many amazing coaches, right? Like Alan Maravella, you know, Rudy, ah, Jane Estioko. I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, the, the coach at Combat Sports Academy, you know, he's, you know, he, he's been like a big influence on me as well, you know. So, um, uh, yeah, Rudy Ott's a badass, and that, and I hate to see that gym go because I was, you know, Rudy Ott's baby. You could tell by the how passionate. I mean, he's as passionate online about it. You know what I mean? Like, I can't believe this is my gym. You know, without, I'm butchering his words, but you know, basically, he, you know, he, he made it very clear that that was like his dream. You know. Hey, so who would you say you got most of your striking from? As far was it Kieran or was it Rudy or who or was it Jane? Who'd you get? Yeah, your, yeah. Who'd you get it from? Your striking. Uh, I, I've been doing this so long, man, it's hard to say, but I would say one of the big influences obviously would be Kung and Alan Maravella. Uh, you know, Kieran helped me out a bit or, or a lot. You know, he helped me out a lot. He, you know, Kieran is very articulate, very articulate. You know, the man knows his systems. And, you know, what I did not learn from him is I learned from his students, right? Because they would just, I would take a class or I would I'd work, I mainly work with the fighters there. Um, you know, and I, and I taught wrestling there. So I kind of, we kind of did our own private training off to the side, though I took the group classes as well. And though I did run, you know, class two or three times a week, uh, ran my wrestling class. So, um, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a toss, it's a toss up, you know, Kieran helped me out a lot. Alan Miravella helped me out a tremendous amount. He was the, the head fight team, uh, coach for a while at, uh, at Kung's, you know, Kung helped me out a tremendous amount. Rudy has helped me out. I mean, I've, I've had so much, uh, I've had so many people help me, you know, I gotta, um, uh, I've, I've been working with this boxing guy, uh, from San Francisco and his, he's been working with Miriam Nakamoto, you know? So mm -hmm. Miriam in, in my last camp and you got to see her coming in and working with me, that woman helped me out a ton. That, that girl is passionate. Nobody is as passionate as that girl. And she is that woman, I should say. That woman is 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 a, a fucking genius when it comes to fighting and her fight IQ and her ability to articulate things that over 15 year career that no coach had ever said to me, but was so spot on. Um, I wish I would have got to work with her sooner. It's funny because I met her in 2013. I met her before that, but I started working with her a little bit in 2013, right before she blew her knee out. And that was her like long seven year hiatus. So, um, you know, if, if things would have worked out a little differently, selfishly, she wouldn't have got injured. And selfishly, I would have got a lot more out of that because me and her really gel. She's passionate. What other people see is, is they're like, whoa, whoa, chill out, Miriam. I'm like, fuck yeah, Miriam, let's go. You know, like I, I'm, I'm kind of intense, hence my, my moniker. You know, I, I love that shit. So, um, yeah, man. My, you know, Miriam and Alan, her boxing coach, 
it helped me out a, a fucking tremendous amount in, in a short, short time. We want to see some of that striking. We're going to bring some of it up. It's going to be pre-Miriam, but, uh, but maybe not. You might have had a little bit of influence. So this is going to be Dragon House 20. This is James yeah. Terry. This is a welterweight title fight versus Chris Herrera. And he wasn't ready. You look ready. You look ready, dude. I'm always ready, bro. You look pretty yoked at 170, That's, huh? It's my thing. It's my thing. I'm ready. We train hard, baby. We don't fuck around. Who'd you have in your corner for this one? Do you remember? Alan Maravella, for sure. Uh, potentially Kung Lee. Uh, you know, I think it was Alan and it was Dave Camarillo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this guy trains with uh, Hendo uh, Henderson, uh, Dan Henderson. Oh, did he's he? From, yeah, that's where he. That's what gym he was from. He was from uh, what's Dan Henderson's gym? Quest. That was called. I can't even remember now. Yeah, dude, Team Quest. I think I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Ooh, big overhand yeah. already lands, huh? Yeah, you know, I kind of missed that one, uh, and he kind of like tried to throw a hook, and I slipped it. That was it, though. Bam! So that was yeah. just the second overhand you threw, huh? Yeah. Yeah. He, he got clipped. How many? So, so were you? So you're a jujitsu black belt, but you were knocking people out. How many? How many knockouts did you end up getting throughout that career? I have ten knockouts. I don't have any. I don't have any. Um, I don't have any submissions. To believe it or not, it's funny because I'm. I'm. I feel like I'm far superior a, uh, a submission artist to, and my dance moves are pretty good too. Far, I'm far superior. Uh, submission guy than I'm a knockout guy but I just have this uh given ability to knock people out because I'm heavy-handed um but sophisticated wise I'm, I'm you know I'm more of a grappler than I'm a striker but uh I just you know it, I've never submitted anybody in a fight I'm, I'm sure it feels awesome and um there's a whole like psychological component to that where you're like you dominated something you made him quit but man knocking somebody out is just fucking awesome and I, I got addicted to that very early in my career. There was times where, you know, I, I lost fights because I was chasing the knockouts for sure. I, you know, I, there, like I said, I had, you know, seven close decisions and six of them I thought I won. Um, four or five of those were very clearly I won. Just, you know, judges are fucking retarded. And, uh, you know, some of those, maybe if I would have wrestled more, probably all seven of those actually, if I would have wrestled more, I would have won those fights clearly. But I was just chasing knockouts and, you know, there's no life bar. When you're in a fight, there's no life bar. You can feel it. When you hit somebody and they hit you and you know it's not even because you have, you carry more power than them, that's Alan Maravella right there. He's the man. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's Dave. Yep. See, Alan and Dave, that was that was my corner who I just hugged. But, yeah, when you have that ability to hit somebody and hurt them and you can you feel that you're hurting them more and you, you feel like you're winning the fight because of that, the judges don't see that. Um, one, one of the things that, that you know, I failed – uh, to comprehend until later in my career. And Miriam was really the one that, that noted me of this because in the Adam Piccolotti fight, like I said, I'll give him two rounds to one, but I felt like I was winning that fight. And the reason I felt like I was winning that fight, except the third round where I got exhausted, that's a whole different conversation. Uh, I, I, I lowered my output in the third round like a veteran because I knew that my physical, I couldn't keep up with the pace if I continued. Uh, but the... the that was a perfect example of me not being sharp and clean with my technique. You know, when I fought Adam, he would, you know, throw these like pitter patter punches and jabs and, and I would slip most of them and move. 
And then instead of countering right away, I would reset and I would come back in with some crazy. And then I would kind of like move out of the way with sloppy footwork and maybe get touched a little bit. And it just, you know, Miriam really made me realize that, you know, fighting is, is a show and you're acting. And when you stand in the pocket after you throw your combo and you angle and you use these sharp motions, it looks like you won that exchange. But when you are constantly trying to do a rhythm thing, which is what I do, I rhythm, 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 and I explode, and then I rhythm out, it looks like you're running away. It looks like if the last guy touches you in the end, that whole devastating combo you threw is nullified because the guy touched you last. And, you know, I never really had that explained to me, and it makes perfect sense. If I watch high-level strikers, I, I feel like an idiot now, because I watch high-level strikers, I see that, right? But I always had my, my own style was kind of like this, Gumby, floppy-footed exit, right? I was sharp in, but I wasn't sharp out. And that lost me a lot of fights. I see that now. I see that so clearly, even though I feel, and my opponents, I have multiple opponents come up to me after I lost fights to them and told me I won the fight. Multiple. I'm talking about three or four of them. Um, it's because it's because of that 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 show, that that floppiness out, that, you know, un, that inability to to be sharp when i got out you know so um yeah sometimes sometimes uh sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't <laughs> so is that something that you're going to try to implement in this next fight because although you said the balls in bellator's court and sure it is you know but the but but bro you're you'll be back in there you know we'll be on the same card I, uh, uh, yeah buddy we'll be, yeah buddy we'll be fucking doing it again dude and so those adjustments hope, that you plan so. on uh, those are adjustments that you plan on making. Um, for, yeah. So you want to make striking adjustments. You're you still because you know what and and you're right because you're the Godfather for a reason. In order to <laughs> get paid in this sport, you need highlights. And, yeah. And those KOs would look fucking good, bro. You know. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. I, I think that. Uh, yeah. It's a game of inches. You know. It's a game of inches. So it's like. I've been so close, but so far away at the same time. So I, I, ho I hope to get those highlights. And, you know, nowadays it's really evolved in this, like, highlights. So you can get the, the click base. You can get the followers, right? And then you, you got to be, like, a content creator as a fighter. And you got to be a promoter. You know, that that's, that's would be my word of advice to any new fighter coming up or any even guy that's been in the game for a while. Like, you know, you need to be vocal. You know, you, we, let's cut the – I always had this idea that – it was like disrespectful to talk to the, the promoters because that was like what my manager did and my coach did. Right. But at the same time, now I see it so clearly. It was like, I need to cut the middleman out. And even if, as I, if I respect my, 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 my manager or my coach, it doesn't mean I can't go talk to the promoter and let him know my intentions that I'm a killer and I'm ready to bring the ruckus on anybody that wants to oppose me, you know? Um, and, 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 I, and you know what, if you promote me, I'm going to do this and this and this for you. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be Instagram uh, content creating. I have a YouTube channel, you know, like you, you got to do your thing like that. You know, and I was always I was always like such a purist and I tried to be too respectful. And um, I see that now. So all, all the up and coming fighters coming out, you know, like you got to do your thing to promote yourself, man. You got to make that, that content online. You got to talk to these promoters and make your intentions clear and concise, you know. No, hell yeah, you do. We were talking about the Piccolotti fight a second ago. You're saying how you in the third round you had to kind of take back your volume because of uh, the fatigue was setting in there. Do you feel like Bellator might have asked you to come down to 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 set weight? Um, 
for you know maybe for those those reasons you know a little bit under under your traditional hell yeah hell yeah i think a couple things i think um number one you know you had touched on earlier like like it would have looked bad if if piccolotti would have got beat up by me because here's this guy that has 30 fights that has been dominating self-proclaimed king of the prelims for like 10 years you know um and uh then it comes to me and knocks out this guy that's on the main card every time look, look what happened in that fight me and him with a featured prelim battle what like this guy's on this guy's fighting guys without my credentials right like he's only fought a couple guys with my credentials right and as tough as me who, who cares about credentials let's just fucking put me next to motherfuckers and you ask him who's your toughest fight i guarantee i'm like i'm, I'm top top three right and he's fought super tough dudes Right? Top five at least. Give me that. Right? So, and then we're on the fucking prelims. That just shows you right there. They, they, they wanted to stack some things. They wanted to test to see if I could go to lightweight. Because let's be real. I'm an in-betweener, man. I walk around 190, but when I'm shredded and ripped and ready to go, I'm, I'm 82 to 85. Right? I don't have a big frame. I'm five foot nine and a half. I'd love to say five foot ten, but it ain't the truth. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have the size of most welterweights, you know, I'm, I'm not a stick as a lot of them. So I'm an in-betweener, man. 160, 165 would be ideal for me. Uh, I fought him at 160. That was their idea. I think they were testing the waters. Uh, you know, I, I was talking shit, uh, you know, jokingly around to Rich Chu, you know, the promoter. Like I said, I take charge. I'm going to tell him, uh, you know, after I knocked out or after I, I won my, my previous fight to that, it was at 165. You know, I told him, hey, man, I'm still sweating. I feel great. Um, you know, I, I was in a bunch of, bunch of the fighters and I just, I joked around and I said, I might come down that, I might come down to lightweight and get that lightweight strap, you know? And he was like, yeah, like joking around. So, but my next fight was at 160. So, um, I was 38 years old at the time, 37 and a half, I think. Um, I don't think cutting to 160 is ideal for me at that age. I don't know. Maybe I did it wrong. I'm not sure. I thought I, my, my, I'll tell you one thing. You look at the cosmetics of me, which is the easiest thing just to check out. That was my best fight cosmetically. And, and physically, from the, the standpoint of like my conditioning level, it was on point. I was doing everything pretty damn good, man. I was doing intervals, hitting the different energy systems. I was doing my strength and conditioning training, uh, you know, tapering off at the end of camp. I felt fucking amazing. But for some reason in that, Adam, in that Piccolotti fight, from the first round, I was floored. Um, I think it was the weight cut. You know, I think maybe I cut too much water. I was so fucking lean in that fight. Um, you know, I, I don't, it was, I, I got stuck at a point where I couldn't drop any more weight just through, you know, dieting. Um, and uh, I mean, it is what it is, man. I, I wish that I would have had this epic performance against him, but I, I think the fight was pretty awesome to watch. I, I encourage your, 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 uh, your people to check that fight out. Um, Hopefully they can tune off. Hopefully they can tune out the very one-sided commentary that's going on. Um, but uh, yeah, that fight was close, and I, I wasn't—I I didn't feel great. And he had a fucking awesome fight. He fought well. He—he he, he fought well. What? Uh, who would you say your toughest opponent is uh, to date? Who was your toughest fight? Well, I think Adam was definitely one of them for sure. I hit him with some pretty hard shots. Uh, I would have to say my toughest opponent, because uh, I think I think you know if, if I would fight Adam again and I was in a just a state of where I had more energy and I wasn't so like 
like my arms were dead and I would have fought it more tactically, uh, maybe he wouldn't be the toughest opponent, but he was definitely up there. Um, I would say Tarek Safadine and uh, uh, Tarek Safadine on paper. I mean, it, even in the fight, was pretty tough. I think Bobby Green was another one of my tough fights. Um, I lost a close, and I told you I had seven close decisions. The the one that I said I said I, I I feel like I won six. The one that I feel like I lost was was the Tarek, and it was close. He even said after the fight, he goes. This is a close fight. I'm glad I got the decision. You know, I was fighting him in his hometown. He was fighting me in San Jose. So, you know, he was he he stated that he was worried that he may not have won the fight, but he, he won the fight. Um, I think uh, you know the, the fight with Bobby Green. I think I won that fight. I think every not I think every major media website had me winning that fight, um, and that really sucks because you know he, that was his ticket to the UFC, and and Strikeforce went under, and they they long story short they they wound up cutting me um uh but yeah bobby green Tarek safanine those two of the toughest guys i think one of the toughest guys that i beat was carlos rocha he fought in the ufc three or four times um i i uh ko'd him in the first round in, in bellator he was he, he that guy's a fucking animal you know he's like a fourth or fifth degree black belt in jiu-jitsu and you know he's been fighting a long time he has a lot of fights in, in like uh in Brazil. Speaking of Brazil, I think Andre Santos, I fought him. He was 39 and six. Nobody wanted to fight him. Uh, I, I took that fight. That was my one Bellator main card fight. I think that guy was, was a beast. Uh, I lost a super close decision. Uh, the, the people that watched it on live on Spike, Spike TV vote on the app, they had me winning the fight. It was close. I thought, I thought I won the fight. Um, but Andre Santos was a fucking animal. I'll tell you that. I, I could go on, man. I mean, I fought a, I fought a fucking shit ton of tough dudes, man. I would say every so. person you listed was a tough motherfucker, bro. Crazy, dude. And uh, no and, doubt. And I aspire, no dude. I want to list like that. I want to fucking list like that. And that's why I do it. And and uh, you have a lot of respect in the fighting community. And um, on this next question, dude, uh, I, I was kind of I'm curious where you're at. I know where I'm at. And uh, but 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 answer it honestly too, man. What what dollar sign? Would Bellator have to present James Terry to get James <laughs> back in that cage, man? What 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 is the what's Damn, the figure dude. on there? Yeah, man. I mean, that's got to be a decision that you know I, that I would make with my family, honestly. Because um, for me, it's not about the money, right? And and it's not. <laughs> it's not about the money. Um, I don't know, man. That there, there would have to be some things that. Uh, you know, that's that's a tough decision. Yeah, I, I said earlier it's about the money, but yeah, it's it's about money equals respect. You know, it's it's about the respect. It's about um, the the giving me the the opportunity that I feel like I've earned, that I deserve. So I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, I I understand why Bellator. It has done what they've done with me. I get it. I get it. Um, it's, uh, but I also can't help but feel like I have been underappreciated. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to badmouth Bellator, you know? I, I, I'm i in a tough situation. I just think, you know, just, uh, yeah, I wish I had more to say on it. And But this is like, 
this is the, 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 you know, the monologue that's been going on in my head. Um, I want to, I want to retire. I want to retire where I feel like my employer is, is re, like respecting me and like giving me the opportunities. And the bottom line is, uh, I've been, I've been like the king of the prelims for a long ass time, man. You know? Um, so it's, it's tough. I don't know. I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's anything that, uh, that they can do. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. No. Yeah. No, I feel you. Well, cause there's nothing left for you to prove, to be honest. Like you've proved, uh, you've proved everything you need to prove, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, you could, you Thank could you. win the world, you know, the world championship. Um, and the thing is you could win it, but to be honest, I don't think Bellator is going to give you a pipeline to that opportunity because of your age. They're not. Yeah. Because of your age. They're not. And that's only, th- and that's the only, and the, the age is the only reason because if there was a, t- if there was 10 years younger on the age mark, then you would be with your, with your record and, 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 and your accolades, you would be getting those opportunities. So it is, it is, a fr- yeah, it's a frustrating, it's a frustrating position to be in. And, um, for me, I know that like, I just have to fucking fight for the money, dude. Like, but also too, I'm, I'm at a point where I can't charge as much per session, uh, 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 like, like you and fucking coach Rudy and like some of these other guys. So I'm having to service sessions at a, at a far discounted rate in order for it to be sustainable just cause I, I just don't. And so I have to fight for fucking pennies. What I do like yeah. about what you, you know, coach Rudy, these other coaches have accomplished is the value is there when it comes to your, your personal training session, you know, your, your one-on-one sessions, you guys can charge, 200 per hour and it's and it's it's, and it's justified you know um yeah so and that's i do i I, i'm hoping to at some point get there although i know that you don't necessarily like the respect that bellator is giving you 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 have earned the right to charge a lot of money per hour per session yeah you know yeah which is which is fucking kind of sick you know because uh i can't yet and 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 don't get me wrong eventually i will but but also too uh, hopefully i can accomplish uh uh just a fraction of the fucking things that you've accomplished in this games james you know so and i'm I'm trying thank you hey with gorilla does gorilla have any guys uh competing coming up anything going on with uh with the team for gorilla as far as competitions yeah, yeah. So we got a guy named Nick Cruz. Uh, he's uh, he's an amateur MMA fighter. He is fighting soon. Um, shoot, I, I want to say it's out of state, uh, but you guys can follow him. It's, I think his, his uh, Instagram is yeah. It's like the Avenger MMA. Um, is his is uh, is his Instagram name Nick the Avenger Cruz? But yeah, he's he's fighting. You know, Kai Wu, who's uh, you know. Uh, Got got a couple. Uh, he's got two Bellator fights. Yeah, he's got two Bellator fights. He's he's um. He, he's probably gonna be fighting soon. I haven't heard any news. And then you know, of course, JT Donaldson. He's been training hard. Um, you know, he's primed and ready to go. So hopefully, we can get the connection that I have with you know Bellator. We can get those guys in there and they can do their thing. Um, you know, I I want to say this like back to the topic we just were saying. P- part of being an athlete is like setting goals. And setting goals that you may never accomplish, right? And as I'm digesting me coming to the end of my career, I, I'm taken back from a couple of years ago where I was talking to one of my friends from AKA, who's a world champion, who is, you know, phenomenal. I don't want to name names because I don't want to misquote what he said to me, but he is like at the pinnacle of the sport. 
right? Like, I mean, pinnacle of the sport, right? And he was talking to me about like basically injuries he's had and, you know, kind of like basically having the same conversation that I have with myself and a few selected people that I confide in where I'm basically saying, you know, like I didn't accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. Um, and, uh, and it's funny because I'm looking at him like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, like you, like I'd be, ha I'd be happy with what you accomplished, but, and then I have to like reflect on that. I wouldn't <laughs> because you go, you win the Bellator world title and then you have to defend it. And then you go for most defenses and then you go for pound for pound, you know, it just happens to be that the sport that I chose, the kind of personality that I have, uh, the goals that I that I set are never going to be obtainable. They're almost impossible to obtain, and that's what I have to understand. So, kind of go full back on that conversation because, yeah, I'm I'm at a loss for words on how to explain to you how I feel about Bellator and the amount of money that they're going to give me, but. I just got to understand that the goals that I've set, that, that the the value that I put on myself is never going to be reached. You know, it won't be reached. It, it's, it, even if I was 21 years old, it's most likely not going to be accomplished. But that's also why I've accomplished what I've accomplished. You know, I've accomplished that because as my parents would say, shoot for the stars and hit the moon. You know, I'm not, I'm not just trying to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go take a smoker. No, fuck that. I'm going to try to be a world champion, you know, so. Is there a particular coach that might have taught you how to set goals like that? Or would you think it was your parents that taught you how to set goals? Uh, uh, you know, high-reaching high goals. It was my football coach, Justin Hansen at Cabrillo College, where we set our goals for football and um, – we wanted to lead the state in fumbles and, and turnovers. We wanted to lead the state in this. Everything was just so it was we just wanted to be the best. And we we're a small JUCO, but but um but striving to be the best, it put us in a position to be able to transfer, you know, and actually have a good collegiate career. Um, was it college sports that taught you that or where did you learn your goal setting? I mean, it's so hard. Um I you know, I would say first of all, it's from my parents. You know, my dad was a badass. My dad was you know, an orphan, and, uh, you know, he was born in 1928, right, at the start of the Great Depression, and father was murdered at five, became an orphan, grew up in an orphanage, pulled himself out of the, the slums of Kentucky, and rose to be a military strategist in the Pentagon, and in 06 in the Navy, and a war hero, you know, my father was, was an amazing freaking man, my mom was somebody that just, with this overriding passion, this you know, you couldn't get past her passion for whatever she was doing from raising me to being a realtor. Um, you know, the, I just think that I just kind of follow along with the kind of personality that those people had. And then of course, rubbing elbows with some fantastic, ridiculously awesome wrestlers and fighters. I've been really lucky to be around awesome wrestlers from the time I was a kid. You know, I mean, my, just to name a small little quick snippet, you know, my senior year, my high school wrestling room uh, had two Division One national champs. You know, um, I mean, it's just that—that's unheard of. You know, uh, you know, you know, to being a, a fighter at Kung Lee's gym, to seeing, you know, seeing Kung win win the title from, um, you know, uh, Shamrock. You know, I mean, it's just rubbing elbows with th these guys that are just so awesome. Uh, Personality-wise, I tend to be 
a little bit competitive. So I just think that was just kind of fell in line. Nobody, I don't remember like this shining moment where somebody explained to me that I need to, you know, be a, want to be a world champion, but I have, I, I have the idea that nobody should be fighting unless, you know, they, they want to be a world champion because this is like, I, I said, this, this is the third time you don't dabble in it. You know, you don't dabble in MMA, man. You, you, you give it your all the, the consequences for you dabbling in MMA are great and you better get your shit together because there's some fucking killers out there. Fuck yeah, bro. Well said. Well said. And that's true. A hey, um sponsors, man. Who uh who who had your back? Who helped you get here as far as sponsors? Oh man, from, well, I'm gonna bust my phone out, but from day one is easy. GFY gear. Um GFY gear has been like without a doubt my longest sponsor. They've supplied me with gear and um, you know, whatever I need, all my fight shorts. I mean, the guys at GFY have been great, you know, and, and the thing about GFY, Mark Mazon, um, the guy's amazing. He is constantly revamping his gear. I was with him in the beginning of, of his career, or uh, like I was coaching the cardio kickboxing class that I would participate in, and he would be my partner many times in it. Um, you know, he, he would bring in gear, let me try it, it didn't work, we don't like this, going to change it. The, the guy's, you know, really hard worker. You know, talk about you know, setting the goals high. That that guy did that, you know, and uh, I, I love his gear a ton, you know. Um, the Security Cabling Solutions, SCS out of San Jose, they've been helping me out the last few years as well. Um, yeah, they, they, they've been amazing. Uh, I mean, let's see. Uh, Faye Manzano, she's a realtor uh, uh, in San Jose. She sponsored me in my last fight. Um, my, my, my longest... Realtor sponsor has actually been Selly Group Realty, Selly C E L I. Um, they 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 do mortgages, they do uh, um, real estate real estate broker, an agent. Um, Selly Group Realty has been has been awesome. They've been with me for you know I don't know twelve years, fifteen years. It's it, basically my whole career as well. Um, and they're they're you know out of the Tri Valley area in San Jose as well. Um, let's see who else do I got here. I got Vita Global. That's been one of my sponsors recently. Uh, they do um, uh, like THC and CBD creams and ointments and all. They have a whole bunch of stuff. Vita Global has been been awesome. Uh, I, I've seen a couple of chiropractors in my time, as you can imagine. Score <laughs> Clinic out of San Jose. <laughs> uh, Score Score Clinic out of San Jose on Meridian had been my. They've been really really long long time sponsor of mine. Score Clinic's been amazing. They do everything. Key Chiropractic. He's helped me out a lot. Uh, he, he's out of Milpitas. He's actually moving. I heard. But key chiropractic, you guys will look him up. And then uh, my buddy um, uh, Dino Del Mastro, what is his place called? Uh, it's that it's that, it's that movie. Uh, dang it, what is that? A wrestling movie. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. I don't, I don't have it listed here. I'll think of it in a second. Livermore Barbershop. You guys are awesome. Getting my hair fresh. Not right now, but you guys aren't open. Second Chance Sobriety. I got this sponsor from uh, from a colleague of mine that um, uh, runs a sobriety. Uh, program yeah he basically has a um a program in san jose second chance sobriety check him out uh i've actually got a sponsor from a union um shoot i don't even know the union name oh my god but one of the one of the piping unions in in um in the bay area sponsored me last last couple times um i'll run through the rest of them real quick uh lana's egg whites many many years you guys have been sponsoring me thank you lana Appreciate you. I just talked to you today on the phone. You're amazing. 
fast and furious detailing out of Gilroy. It's a buddy of mine. Uh, he has a gym down there called Ant Dog. His brother owns Fast and Furious Detailing. He's been cleaning my car for a um, number of years now as well. Um, yeah, Vision Quest Spine and Sport. That's the chiropractor. <laughs> okay, I mean, I think that's it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to forget somebody. Um, yeah, Rose Ranch. Rose Ranch sponsored me. They have a wedding spot out there in Gilroy. So, BR Flooring. You guys, uh, you guys need, need your flooring. So that's about it, I think. You're the man, homie, with all those fucking sponsors. I don't got no fucking sponsors. None. Gorilla Jiu-Jitsu, baby. Gorilla Jiu-Jitsu. Killing it. And you know what's funny? So, James, when I was preparing for this interview, I uh, I went online, and I went on I went on Wikipedia, you know? And um, and there you are. You know, you got a Wikipedia. Do you know? Handsome. When did you get a Wikipedia? And is that when, is the Wikipedia, is that when you know that you've made it as a professional fighter? <laughs> uh, you're not the first person to ask me that. It's funny. I'm serious. Um, because fuck. I, yeah. I realize it's getting dark. Um, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't know. I've had a Wikipedia for a long time. Like at least 10 years. Yeah. It's been, it's been a while. Because I remember somebody else, one of my mom's friends actually was like, your son has a Wikipedia. He's kind of a big deal. I'm like, eh, any asshole can get a Wikipedia. <laughs> no, you're a big deal, dude. You're our, you're our first guest with a Wikipedia. On the Wikipedia, it mentions Canyon del Oro High School. Do you remember yeah, that yeah, on the yeah. Wikipedia? How, how, so how was your experience at Canyon del Oro High School? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it was, it was all right. You know, I mean, you know, Tucson, Arizona representing. Oh, the Wiki the Wikipedia was like, oh, uh, uh, Mr. Terry had a, a horrible experience at Canyon Del Oro. He got in trouble, got kicked out of school, and then, and then from there, he was, he, he blossomed into the, the beautiful James Terry that we know today. I was a rebel, baby. Uh, I'm still I'm a rebel. Was that the principal? It. Was it the principal from that high school that came on there and was like, I'm gonna smear James's name on his <laughs> Wikipedia? I, I don't know. I'm an open book. I, I think maybe uh, I told the story of. You know, getting in an argument with my coach and who now I'm actually good friends with. He's actually, you know, me and him squashed our beef. But, yeah, we had some beef, man. And he got into an argument with, with my mom. And, uh, you know, my mom my mom was a tiger, bro. So, you know, she was she was up in his up in his grill. And, you know, um, I didn't I didn't like how she was he was talking to her. And yeah, so it is what it is, you know. Um, hey, so I, it really I, I went down. I was an asshole when I was a kid, man. I was. I was an asshole, straight up. Hey, well, hell yeah. Then the Wikipedia is on point. I didn't know if someone had made that shit up or if, like, you know, so good, though. No, that was real. Hey, um, it, it was it was a big deal in high school because my senior year, I was the number one wrestler in the state. I went to the number one high school in the state. And it was, it was like, what happened? And, and then, like, the, a paper wrote uh, an article about me getting into a fight with my coach and then me going into the number one school in the state. And it... It was a mess. It was like people were trying to shoot me down. They had the wrong sense of what happened in that moment. Um, and uh, yeah, people, you know, everybody like everybody wants the underdog to win and they want the number one guy to lose. And, and that was a perfect example of, it, you know. Yeah, I would have been, dude, if I was on, if we were on the same wrestling team, I would have been devastated if you left, bro. <laughs> yeah, my teammates were. Oh, yeah. My dude. teammates were, bro. I would have been so fucking hey, and, sad. And, and I'm a I'm a teammate's kind of teammate. I'm I'm I've never been like um, 
you know, you know me. I'm, I'm, I'm a good guy, man. I really am. People get to know me. I might be brash and loud at times. And, you know, if you cross me, I'm going to be your worst enemy. But, um, you know, I'm a nice guy. My, my, my teammates were totally devastated, bro. I'll tell you that. Oh, fuck yeah, they were. Hey, um, any closing statements out of you, James? You know, anything that you want to uh, 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 close us down with? That, um, that looming retirement talk, I don't buy it just because it's just a weird time right now, you know? And I understand, you know, the promises you've made to your family. But the thing is, James, you've always, you're yeah. always, you've always been there for your family and you're, all, and you're continued to, and you're, you're continued to will be there for your family. So I, I, I know where your head's at, but, um, but any closing statements, man? And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you on this next Bellator card. But besides that, any closings? My man. Uh, I mean, I said a lot. I think um, I think I said most, you know, I tell you this. Uh, it's been fun, man. It's been a blast. And I hope I hope that I get another chance. I do. I hope I get another chance to go in there and uh, do my thing because, uh, you know, it, it's, it's never enough. <laughs> Fuck no, it isn't, man. Hey, thank you so much for coming on, James. We look forward to having you on the show. We're gonna bring you back uh, when we when we have a little bit more order in the in the world, and we and we have stuff that we can kind of promote a little more, right? So we're gonna bring cool. you back Sounds for the next fight, dude. Thank you so much, James. Have a uh, have a good rest of your Sunday, dog. You too, brother. Yeah, Appreciate baby. you. Thank you, man. All right, dog. Hey, dude, that was dope, man. That was so dope, dude. Hey, good shit, Tom. Hey, from everyone here at the Suncoast Onion Studio, that was the Bay Area Combat Podcast on all platforms. Tom, can you give me platforms? Spotify. Spotify. Google Play. Google Play. Apple Music. Apple Music. Amazon. Amazon. YouTube. YouTube. Podbean. I didn't get that last one. What was that last one? Podbean. Podbean? Yeah. Hey, we're everywhere, baby. We're everywhere. Tom Bass Davis on the ones and twos. Deborah Farolito, owner, Suncoast Awning, Bay Area Combat. James Intensity Terry. That was dope. Thank you so much, James. Daniel Compton, fight director, Bay Area Combat. We're over and out, guys. Tune in next week. We'll be back. Thank you guys so much, man.